I've had several people say they can't stand the word worship. No doubt others have the same objection. And I'm guessing the rejection assumes the verb to worship must be followed by an object, a source of adoration. In that case, the focus of worship might be the sun or nature, Athena, Zeus, even the flying spaghetti monster. So I can imagine how worship... (coughs) as a transitive verb, grates on those who call themselves atheist or agnostic. So, should we just chuck the word to explain what we're doing here today? If so, toss it out. What other words could we use to describe our gathering? For the record, I refuse to consider not coming together regularly to sing and express the depth of our emotions, to acknowledge the passing of time, to reinvigorate our covenant with each other, and to find new possibilities. And my refusal is not just job security, (laughs) although there is that, My life has been shaped by the discipline of coming to church. The settings, locations, and theologies have changed as I've attended Episcopal, Quaker, Buddhist, and Unitarian Universalist worship. But the fundamental imprint of assembling with others to consider the mysteries of life has not changed. I spent my childhood singing in the children's choir I sat in choir pews in front of the congregation every Sunday, and the children's choir sang all of the service music each Sunday. And because I steadily attended and participated in worship, I have this rich inner repository of melodies, poetry, sensations, feelings, and a worldview I still carry with me that I bring into this space. Worship is a discipline of repetition and familiarity. For example, many of the words we say in our service do not change from week to week. We repeat the same covenant, the same chalice lighting, litany of gratitude after our offering, hymns, Even our order of service is basically the same. We'll tweak it here and there. And there's immense value in allowing these same elements to wash over us regularly. We are inevitably a different person each Sunday. I do not simply mean we're older, and there's that. I'm talking about changing moods, life experiences, the news, the seasons. Take the first line of our chalice lighting. We light this beacon of hope 
It can mean so many different things at different times. After the Boston Marathon bombings, we light this beacon of hope. After the death of a loved one, we light this beacon of hope. In the midst of infertility, we light this beacon of hope. After hearing dreadful news about your health, we light this beacon of hope. After being laid off, we light this beacon of hope. And then some Sundays we don't even hear it. We light this beacon of hope. And that's okay. It will be there when you need it. I promise. So back to the word worship. While I've taken off the table for the moment, our congregation are congregating each week. This still leaves a lot of room for exploration. Words change meaning over time, but it's helpful here to look at the roots of the word worship. It's one of our Anglo-Saxon words, over 1,100 years old. And it began life as a noun. And if we start with the second half of the word, ship, that gets tacked on to The end of many words, think apprenticeship, or dictatorship, or hardship, or friendship. As a suffix, ship means a condition, or a character, or a a skill, even an office. So the first part of worship means worth. So worship is the condition of being worthy. It was originally secular. Not until 400 years later did worship come to mean reverence paid to a divine being. We can try reclaiming this original non-religious meaning. It would be very easy for me to list all the obvious worthy things in this moment of time. I would start with simply coming up the hill on a bright Sunday morning And for some, just overcoming physical hardships or emotional anxieties or family demands to enter this space today is a true triumph. Literally, leaving a bed, dressing, getting out the door, and coming here are a string of enormous challenges to overcome. Every time we gather... We celebrate being alive. I have an encompassing description of worship from Kenneth Patton that you heard earlier from him. He was a minister who led Unitarian and Universalist societies all around the country in the last century. And he writes, We celebrate with eyes, ears, and fingertips We love the world through heart, mind, and body. Our eyes read scriptures in the faces of our brothers and sisters. We surprise the wistfulness of the young and old, the wistfulness of all the years. We find shyness behind arrogance, fear behind pride, tenderness behind rude strength. Anguish behind cruelty. 
We celebrate not in bowing down, not in closed ears, eyes, and deafened ears. We celebrate in the opening of all windows with the stretching out of our beings. The compassion of wisdom comes in singing and laughter, in tears and confidings, in a rising wave when we have fallen in love with life. Therefore, we alert, we worship to learn to love. Patton spent his life trying to capture the essence of a natural and humanist religion. He wrote hymns, readings, essays, poems, all to be used during worship. He was a mystic, working to bring into worship the significance of our earth, our place in the universe, the dimensions of human nature, of belief, struggle against evil, arts, poetry, science, of transiency and death. Some of his wonderful writings are in our hymnal. And contrary to the now common push for worship in all denominations to simply be uplifting, a praise fest, I stand along Patton's emphasis on the entire scope of life as worthy. Our sorrow and confusion and loneliness and despair are worth naming, just as our joy and awe. Our anger deserves as much expressing as our satisfaction. If we avoid the painful side of life, if we ignore the mistakes we make, if we turn away from loss and death, then our worship becomes merely a jolly celebration too simplistic. To echo Patton's words, we must fall in love with the whole of life, birth and death, creation and destruction, song and silence. Therefore, we worship to learn to love. Think of worship as an empty bowl or better yet as two hands cupped, ready to receive what comes, what is offered by others. We fill this emptiness waiting container with all we have when we gather on Sunday mornings. I ask you to bring to worship something of what you receive, a capacity to heal, to think critically and poetically, and to experience a growing sense of belonging, rootedness, and blessing. And we take away what we need, sometimes not even knowing we needed it. So I've considered other possible words for what we do here. We assemble. But calling this an assembly misses the hard-to-name mysteries and feelings we work within. Assembly brings to mind, to me, political cabinets or my grade school gymnasium. Time for assembly, that means I get to miss the uh, math quiz, third hour. (laughs) Celebration, we celebrate, but not always. The term is shallow, missing the pains we have to acknowledge. Service, we do give each other emotional help and spiritual aid, 
Yet the word alone includes the work of waiters and computer repairers, not that we don't love you, the military, law, tennis. I use service with worship as a modifier, a worship service, which brings me back to worship as the most complete term for what we do on our Sunday mornings to best weave together life's contradictions, I firmly believe worship must be collaborative. I increasingly make make an effort, a joint effort, walking the fine line of getting input and support from a wide variety of people while trying not to rob them of this hour being worshipful for them. Putting worship together each week is work, Work in the highest, most fulfilling sense of the term. Liturgy, the name for the structure of our worship and the elements, literally means work of the people. So for those keeping etymological score, the word comes from Greek. Liturgy is Greek, liturgia. And if you can't get past the word worship, hold on to liturgy. It describes everything we've been doing this hour. Liturgy includes greeters and ushers, making you feel welcomed and comfortable. It encompasses the structure of music and prayer, silence, all the words. The projected slides are liturgy, a mutual project between Andy Scott, Rebecca Jones from time to time, Larry Vandiver, Joseph Rivers, Google, and me. And they take a total of six to ten human hours to research, assemble, get ready to project. It can seem like a chore, fitting the task into already busy schedules, but choosing images and considering their meaning and finding quotes and evaluating words, putting them in order, That process is transformative. Like any practice or rehearsal is, this audiovisual work of the people is part of worship in the same way planning a trip is a significant part of the actual travel. So I'm making a case here that worship need not have a named object of adoration, although it can. Worship is a process, a worthy process that envelops us, touches us, and over time, changes us. As I mentioned, worship begins well before 11 o'clock, and it comes fully alive at 11 o'clock because we've set aside this time to share. We choose to mark it off as special, as sacred, with a ringing of the bell and lighting of the chalice, repeating our covenant. We invite ourselves to leave behind daily habits to participate in this work of the people. Near the close of worship, we don't just simply get up and leave. Instead, we clearly mark the hour as extraordinary, outside of the ordinary. We claim what ends is the flame of our chalice, but not the light of truth. Worship lingers within us beyond this hour. 
my committee on ministry teases me, but with all seriousness, as good teasing is, to aim for sermons that people are not just mulling over during Sunday brunch, but have something that still bubbles up on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm aiming for recall of a kernel of truth beyond that, but fortunately, worship is not about the sermon or the minister. Worship is the worthiness of our whole time together. So may a snippet from the reading or prayer speak to you still on Friday. I wish for you an earworm from the music you heard today. I'm certain, I am certain, I am certain your presence and conversation have touched another and you have been equally moved. May the light of truths you find this morning be worthy and we will call it worship. May it be so.